right, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're back on episode four. We made it this far, and you're still listening. It is the week one wrap-up of the OFDL. I'd obviously want to start with my game, but, you know, I think I'd have a lot of people complaining about me just because I had a little bit of a high score. So we're going to start with the rematch of Super Bowl Four. Here we had I've Got the Nuts traveling over to TBS. TBS was favored by 11 points. Unfortunately, it didn't go that way. Final score, 85-78, favor of I Got the Nuts. You know, I think this really wasn't something where TBS has to hang their head because they're basically where they were predicted to be. But I Got the Nuts were exceeding their predicted score by 15. You know, if you look forward, TBS really suffered from one player. You could say two, but if you say two, you're not really looking at what happened. Stafford was the main reason. He just didn't come up. You know, Hunt didn't have a lot of points, but that's was game script. What do you guys think? Well, I think that it's really a point that I want to drive home. And I think that's something that you two both can agree on is that the projections are a good average of where we can expect a team to perform. And if we look at that, I say anywhere between eight to 10 points plus or minus is pretty much a fairly accurate score of what the team did uh, with Sunil coming out and putting up 15 points. I was four points under you're in that ballpark of fairly accurate uh, uh, performance. Um, The one thing you did hit on is it's plain and simple Stafford. Stafford didn't even come close to his one average score. If he put up more than just that one stinking point that he put up, you know, and, and actually put up just, he didn't even have to put up much. He put up eight points. I win Mike. Yeah, and I mean, none of his players really, you know, necessarily blew up. Um, I, I mean, you know, Phil, Ray, Phil Rivers, I, Rivers and Gordon, you know, exceeded expectations. Um, I, you know, going into Monday night, I uh, I thought you had absolutely a chance to catch up and get back yeah. into it. And, um, you know, Gurley did his part. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, I think Stafford just kind of sucked the wind out of your sails completely. And every time he threw a pick on what I've now learned, uh, a plays that the Jets knew were coming because they oh, yeah. studied for six weeks and, and knew exactly every single signal and every play that they yeah. were going to do. Um, Whose fault is that, by the whole way? Well, for that. Hey, Good you know question. what, Avery? I, I read, I have, I read that whole article, and I'm thinking to myself, as somebody who played sports for a long time and <sighs> and follow it, why the hell are you doing a gloat about the ability to why? figure things out? That you just killed yourself. You're so stupid to say, hey, I figured it out. Blah 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 blah. That's so stupid. You could have rode that for a long time because somebody has figured like- out tendencies. It'd be like it'd be like you're in the you're you know in the baseball season you know wrapping up a series and you're like well the Yankees you don't notice but we stole all of their signals the entire time like yeah. that's just you don't talk about that like you you both I guess they just their thought process was hey we figured this out we don't play them again we're not going to play them again it doesn't exactly look like the Lions are going to the playoffs so uh, screw it a, yeah but on a bigger level. I mean, honestly, every team should be doing this, A. And B, if you're not doing it, you're not doing your job. And C, 
Why are you using the same calls? That guys, you're a professional football team. You're not rotating calls. I mean, seriously, every single week. I mean, you had you had uh, uh, Omaha, but Omaha didn't mean the same thing every single stinking week. I mean, everybody knew Omaha, right? So one of the takeaways that I got from this was TBS really suffered from two players underperforming. However. It's not the same kind of underperformance, in my opinion. Stafford, he pretty much crapped the bed. But when you have Hunt, that was more of a game script. Stafford has thrown four interceptions, what, five times in his career? Uh, I think I threw out there a funny little tidbit that I think I owned him the last time in 2013. He threw four interceptions in a game. uh, And I swore then I would never have him again. And guess what? He's on my team again. And what did he do? He crapped the bed. Yeah, and I mean, the question, too, with Stafford, though, is is this what the, their offense is going to be? And if they're going to be behind in games, if they're going to be constantly coming back, you know, maybe that is a team you want to hold on to and have. Um, I mean, the big question I, I would have for the owner of the Shuttlecocks is, what are you doing with the Nunwa? Is that a guy that can come game in, game out? Are those targets for real? Is that a real player to, you know, to slip in instead of like a Watkins or an Allen? You know, just depending on from a matchup perspective. Eric, what do you say? I mean, you're the, you're, you're the guy who has them. I mean, I'm looking at it, and I saw last night, and I think he's a week-in, week-out starter. But I didn't think of the point that was just made that, hey, maybe this was a defense that is uh, going to cause – extra performance out of players that are suspect. I've always thought that Anunma was uh, going to be eventually the number one there. Robbie Anderson is more of a one-dimensional player. I think Anunma will be, if not the 1A, the 1B. Think of him more as the Golden Tate role in uh, the Lions offense. And so uh, really it was a prove it week. I felt like the roster was solid all the way through, regardless of uh, uh, whether I put a new in there or not. I did tinker with it throughout the week, trying to figure it out. And in the end, I probably should have put him in, but I mean, the thing probably the same probably could have been said about uh, the nuts and his whole idea with Paul Richardson, whether or not he actually should have had him in there. Yeah, that's a good question with with Richardson. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is, um, you know, honestly, up until up until Monday night, I mean, I I thought you had a shot to come back. Like looking at it, I, it was actually the one game that I was looking at. I mean, we had some weird games this week where there were, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of close battles that you know were a whole lot of back and forth. And this was the one that I kept coming back to, going, okay, it's a ten point spread, but you know, there's a lot of key players to go. And I mean, looking at going into Monday night, you've got Stafford and Gurley. You had to feel pretty confident that you had a shot to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and Gurley did his part, especially right off the bat there. But I mean, every time Stafford threw a pick, uh, I have to feel like it was a little dagger just going straight into your heart a little bit, right? Soul yeah, crushing. Little. It's soul crushing. <laughs> now, I, I, I think that in the end, my wrap up on this was this game was the way it was billed to be. I mean, it didn't come out for TBS, but I wouldn't be worried if I were them. At the same time, you have Sunil and his whole lineup. He was able to overcome a lack of Le'Veon Bell. It's going to leave the question out there, and we don't even need to address it now because we've talked about it before, but when do we address what's going on in his PSP? James Conner. It's going to be next week. It could be many weeks after. We don't know. 
We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Um, I know I saw that the uh, the depth chart came out from the Steelers today, and uh, it did not have Le'Veon Bell on it. Uh, week one did have him on it in the starting role, and then they've just have straight up taken on. So, I mean, it's a good question. It'll be really interesting to monitor and see if that, you know, going forward, if, if you know, what the situation is there and whether or not, uh, I mean, maybe they move him at this point. I mean, who the hell knows? Well, moving on to the next game, we had the Ninja Assassins against the Mud Monkeys, another two of the major players in last year's playoffs. Mud Monkeys were favored by six, but it was not that way. Final score, Ninja Assassin 72, Mud Monkeys 45. This game was over pretty much before it started. You know, the Mud Monkeys, I think, were really hit. It's more than obvious when Fournette went out and couldn't come back. You had Blunt go out. Uh, a no-show by Richard Matthews, and pretty much their other mainstay, McCoy, which we've killed before, he suffered from Buffalo's just lack of appearance. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, I would agree with you on, on the Buffalo point. I don't know how you hit your wagon to anybody that's coming in and playing for Buffalo at this point. I mean, I, now it's come out that they, I think Peterman's probably going to start again, so... I mean, that seems like a terrible decision. I think we know all we needed to know after two halves of football and how many interceptions. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's definitely a tough fit. Uh, on the Ninja Assassin side, I mean, looks like luck's back. Uh, looks like luck's for real. And, you know, I mean, that's a steal from where he got him um, at that quarterback position. I certainly agree. The, the big thing with... Uh, Mud Monkeys is the two points I hammered on in the uh, uh, projections here for his team. Frenette with his leg injuries and McCoy with that offensive line not having three of the five guys coming into the season, not having a legitimate number one wide receiver. That offense being completely inept and just got worse as the preseason went on. Um, Richard Matthews, again, another guy that is uh, uh, another guy that was injured coming into the season that didn't do anything because he was injured. What, what, what do you expect to happen here? Isn't it gross negligence to even consider throwing Peterman back in there? I mean, seriously, it's... Uh, I, I don't know. He said, let's go to the film and find out. Go to the film. There really hasn't been any precedence in the history of quarterbacks starting that have been this terrible. And never. Uh, you mentioned gross negligence, but they have insurance for that. <laughs> As uh, as somebody that's that's currently streaming defenses and picking up any defense on a weekly basis, um, I'm all for the Peterman experience to continue. I will just start whoever happens to be playing Buffalo. I don't care how bad your defense is. The other thing that I see really is is the Goodwin uh, injury really did kind of throw a little bit of a wrench in there for Ninja Assassins. But Assassins, but honestly, uh, when he has the performance that he had out of AP and and uh, Hilton and. The, the Hilton Luck stack, uh, you really can't be too upset about it. Also, the the uh, the the running back trio that they have, those points he scored, maybe a little bit less on the total amount of points. Uh, maybe not a, a whopping what is that, thirty one points, but really or, or twenty five points. Man, I can't do math. Twenty five points, uh, but maybe twenty points total. Just spread them out amongst the three. So question for Avery. Avery watches the Redskins games, uh, I would assume. Um, how did Peterson look? We saw the stat line. I didn't get to see him play, uh, but that's a, that's an old school Adrian Peterson stat line. I mean, he definitely got the bulk of the carries. 
is that another steal for Chu? I mean, is that a player that we think he's going to get week in, week out production out of? I think it was overestimated because he had a 50-something yard catch at the end of the game. He did fumble, but there was so much added on. And plus, we have the bonus after a, at 100 yards. So it was one per 10. So it was padded a little bit. I think what we're looking at with Peterson until he hits his wall or you know gets injured, you're looking at 8 to 10 points. That's where I see him. And I agree with Eric's point. You take these three running backs, I think it's just going to be shuffled up. Yeah, it's kind of basically taking the dice, putting it in the Yahtzee and spreading it out and see what happens. Peterson looked great. I saw maybe three times out of all of his rushes where he didn't take the hole where he should have. And the announcers called one or two. And he even, after the game, talked about it. He said, you know, I, I missed a couple things. But at the same time, he's the bruiser. And what they're doing right now is sort of old school Joe Gibbs, where you have Chris Thompson doing all this crazy lightning kind of running. And then you have the bruiser, quasi John Riggins in Peterson. That sounds basically like the, uh, the, the Redskins MO, which you can't really apply here to the mud monkeys in this weak, weak running back core that he has. I mean, it's really just going to fall apart. We did talk about it when we were talking about the projections where we said, uh, you know, Antonio Brown, Deandre Hopkins are going to be the, the, pillars of his team cam newton's a pillar but what else is there looking at the rest of his roster uh mike did like the geo bernard pickup the one good thing is is that he does have tj yeldon as a backup there um for the handcuff for Fournette because there's no real idea of whether or not he's going to be able to continue but overall i think this is going to be a pretty common theme for mud monkeys he may hit every other week but it's just not going to be enough it's a it's a good question too. Um, with with Mud Monkeys as a whole, you know, I mean, are they the first team to to panic and try to make a trade? I mean, there you've got you know between when I mean, Legarrette Blunt's injury did not look good. I mean, he tossed that football away as quickly as he possibly could, laying on the ground. Um, I mean, and that's a guy that he was counting on for points. And if you've got the McCoy issue with Buffalo's anemic offense. You know, I mean, and then you go to the bench and it's a, it's a whole lot of guys and, you know, the, the backup in Buffalo, if Peterson's going to be solid, Kelly's not going to get the carries. I mean, Bernard is a question mark in Cincinnati, no matter how you look at it. I mean, he's got a lot of guys that are, that are possible upside guys, but there's not a ton of depth there. It's just a ton of running backs. Um, so, you know, where is he going to go? Is he going to go to his, his practice squad to try to find a player or is it let's, let's go find a, uh, you know, a, a trade target. It's a good point. I mean, we thought a lot more positive of Mud Bunkies coming out of those previews and all of a sudden out of week one, we're feeling uh, a lot less happy. I don't want to overestimate week one. I mean, one of my takeaways to wrap this whole thing up really was I don't want to you know, overstate what happened here. You know, Ninja Assassin looks solid. They have quite a few pieces that could work this year. They have Eckler coming off the bench that could be a starter. He doesn't even need to be a backup. And then Mud Monkeys had a down week, and they do have Tyrod Taylor. Despite his real football bad game, it was a fantasy football good game. So I do think you know better days are ahead for Mud Monkeys, and we shouldn't do too much out of this. Yeah, we're in the constant week one um, every year, immediate overreaction. And uh, which team do we get to overreact to next? There is a team from Nahant that has narwhals. 
maybe we should overreact to them because they won, and I, I don't know if they're going to win another game this year. No, nah, I'm just kidding. This we is <laughs> definitely overreact to them completely. All of the players are fantastic. I don't know what's going on there with a, with a few spots. This was very similar to the game we just reviewed. You know, you had West Dane's Massive versus Nahant Narwhals. It was a minus eight favored game for the Narwhals, but it didn't turn out that way. West Dane's Massive only scored 45, and the Narwhals had 71. So it was a pretty typical game for the Narwhals, and West Dane's is sort of, what are we going to do in week two? I would say the big thing was there was yards to be gained for West Danes, but they just couldn't get in the end zone. It was only Brady and obviously Gronk. The Saints' D was hot garbage. It actually was worse to start them than start nobody. Um, you know, maybe ah, just like we all thought, right? I mean, yeah. I, everybody knew that they that they'd get forty two put up on them by uh, by Tampa Bay, right? I did. Magic said the Falcons fan. I did. Well, the thing was, is I, you know, we're not. Uh, unique fantasy sources we all read and listen to other things and what i've heard over the past i don't know 24 to 48 hours is this is a common theme for whatever reason for the saints d they do not start out in week one or week two well they let up a lot and they use this sort of a rallying call and it worked in uh you know against them but that didn't lose them the game they, they they needed to score touchdowns and it wasn't happening unless it was New England. You know, Eric. Well, I agree that it, it wasn't specifically that that lost in the game, but it was a major contributing factor. Anytime you go negative, it makes anything it just exaggerates the anything that doesn't perform even to average, and it even takes away from those that are at average. I mean, it's it's an yes, I know, Mike. That's how negatives work, but that's the the, the big <laughs> step back. <laughs> From, from the Saints performance I mean you're talking about a 14 point swing um, you know, you take that 14 points and you put it in there and and he's already up to 60 points and he's only 11 off from Mike yes one more touchdown would have made a huge difference from any number of those guys but again this is a team where we did say that he does have a couple little holes that you got to wonder whether or not are going to be able to plant pound out for him. Um, Brita and Michelle didn't play uh, or Brita didn't play uh, a whole lot. Michelle definitely didn't play. The one big surprise was Dorsett. That's a good point that you said that because that was my next note is does Philip Dorsett crack the starting lineup for the next week? Because yeah, I in think my mind he does. Yeah. I, I, if, if I'm running the team, he's in the starting lineup until Edelman comes back. I, I mean, the question is, I, you know, it's an interesting uh, conundrum um, in New England as a whole. I mean, both, they just went out and signed Corey Coleman, who the Browns traded for a seventh round pick and then Buffalo cut. Um, so, I mean, I, there's literally an any Sunday, who knows who Brady's targeting. Um, so, I mean, Dorsett put up points and might not put up any more points for the rest of the season. I have no idea. No, nah, I would I would only interject with that was saying that last year Dorsett was, wasn't it last year that Dorsett was picked up uh, right before the beginning of the season and everybody had these great expectations of Dorsett, 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 Dorsett. And it took a full year for Dorsett to actually be integrated into the offense. And we finally saw the fruits of that labor. To think that Corey Coleman, a guy that's bounced around now with three teams, this will be his third team, uh, on in, in – after the beginning of the, the season was going to instantly come in. I, I have no confidence in his talent that way. And you know what? I, I'm actually getting a little tired personally of 
New England's going to turn everybody into gold. We're going to take whatever you had exactly. and didn't work. And we're because we're New England and I'm Bill Belichick, I can do something. Because what about Kenny Britt? What about Eric Decker? I mean, these are people that came in and came out. So I, I would like to see Coleman do something, but I, I, I don't know. I guess I guess my point is more less. I mean, look, Decker realized he didn't have have it, and his knees were not good, and he decided to retire. I mean, so it's not so much is this is this door set, and it's not necessarily like look, these are going to gold, but Brady's going to get the ball off. He's going to throw it to somebody, and I mean, at this point, look at the historic wide receivers that they've had throughout the years that have done nothing elsewhere. It's not that these guys are studs when they get to New England and they just turn them into gold. It's, well, somebody's got to catch the ball, and Tom puts it pretty accurately on somebody's hands. Yeah, no, hey, you're right. I mean, someone's going to catch the ball. It just won't be Corey Coleman. That's fair. He has stone hands. I've watched them in, uh, in person for two years. Look, you could cut from the Browns. There's, it's a very, very short Not future. cut. Traded for a seventh-round pick in 2019. Yeah, let's get it right, okay? I mean, if you're gonna shoot, you know, uh, you know, shots fired, you got to do it right. You know, I'm looking over at the narwhals, and you know, I think something that really needs to be focused on is they have gold in Michael Thomas. This guy, I, I think, can carry their team for the entire year. He helped overcome, you know, the, the. Travis Kelsey and the Packers not doing anything this week. Um, you know, you had Deshaun Watson. He looks shaky out there. He's still trying to make good plays. Uh, I think it doesn't really matter right now. I think they have a strong enough lineup. I think this is sort of just middle ground for the Narwhals. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, uh, Mike's going to like this. Uh, the last one of the projections we had, I do remember one guy specifically saying that Breeze was going to come out and he was going to throw like crazy and he was going to light it up. Now, granted, game script did dictate some of that, but who was he going to throw to? He's going to go to Kamara and he was going to go to Michael Thomas. He's going to go to those two guys. I mean, and that's yeah. honestly what we saw. I mean, you and you know what? Look, if the Saints want to be down forty-eight in every game, um, I mean, I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with that. They got to then they'll. I mean, Breeze is, has shown it time and time again that he will continuously go back from to the air and and fight back. And it, look, if Michael Thomas wants to have three or four garbage down touchdowns every week, I'm in one hundred percent on on that one. Um, you know, no no questions asked. I will ask you this though, Mike: are, How worried are you about Kelsey with Mahomes? Uh, it's a good question. I, the, the, the stat that we've seen over and over with Mahomes is he throws the ball downfield. And I kind of feel like it's one of those things where Kelsey, he looks at Kelsey and goes, no, you're not far enough away. I can't see you. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm not sure how that's going to work. I mean, obviously Kelsey's a big guy and they, they just have to work him into the offense. And when you have, you know, um, when you put the ball in Tyreek Hill's hands and he goes 50 yards plus for a touchdown every time, I mean, it is hard not to do that. And Mahomes just really wants to uncork it and he's got to go to go chase it. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. So then is it Kelsey or Cooper that gets dropped or traded first? Uh, I think they're both studs. Uh, that being said, feel free to hit me with trade offers. Uh, I'm open uh, for business, I guess with my really good tight end that will have a ton of points and uh, that potent Gruden offense uh, who absolutely will get a ton of catches there. Um, so, you know, feel free to, uh, to shoot me a message if you're interested in those players, like say the Mud Monkeys who we just talked about that really need a player 
or, uh, you know, choose team or, you know, whoever has overloaded with talent, um, but really just wants to upgrade at that single position, feel free to give me a call. That PSA right there for selling players was really nice and whatnot. But my point on Kelsey, I think this was game script as well. It's the same thing as what you suffered from, at, you know, at, at running back there, Eric. Because you can't, you can't just say Tyreek Hill and downfield because we had these little pitch passes right in front of them that were basically handoffs. So I, I don't necessarily agree. It was either short or long, and the mid-range is where Kelsey is, and I think he'll find it in time. This was game one. I actually, I, and actually, I mean, as much as all joking aside on the selling players, I actually think Cooper also suffered from some game script position, you know, situation where the Rams have really, really good cornerbacks and they're not great defending against the tight end. And they made Cook look like he was, you know, essentially that Kelsey level talent at tight end um, in that game. And that's the Raiders, which I think we all kind of agree are, are not going to be, you know, setting the world on fire this year. So I, I do think it is a game scripting thing. And the one thing I'll say is, is Gruden did look like he can analyze the defense and figure out their holes and do decent. I mean, I, I don't, I didn't think going into that game that the Raiders had remote prayer of beating the Rams. I think the Rams looked like a stud team this year. And five minutes in, I was like, okay, well maybe they don't, maybe they have a shot. No, I, I give you a hard time. I'm, I'm kidding. I key that key about Cooper and Kelsey with the job and the trade only because of the fact that they both put up zeros and I know it's a game flow situation. So I'm just busting your chops there. I think that you're right in when it comes to the, Ra- the, uh, the Raiders, not the Rams, the Raiders uh, trying to work in Cooper more and uh, Gruden uh, did uh, was quoted as saying as such that it's hard to work it in when the game doesn't go that direction. Uh, not to mention uh, David Carr did have uh, a really, really tough defensive line bearing down on him for a lot of the game. Moving on to the next game, we had Emperor John against Green Green Light for Breezes. You know, I I don't know. You know, what do you think, Eric, that John was thinking? You know, after this game, you know, was it this? We've got to be the dumbest team in America in terms of playing the or game. Or was it this? We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We couldn't do diddly poo. I would say actually it's probably the second one. I mean, looking at his team, he's saying that all day about Alfred Morris. I mean, you, you got to feel bad for Alfred Morris putting in put in that bad situation against that Minnesota defense, and he's supposed to come out and be the saving grace. I just, you know, yes, we had high hopes for him, and he probably will continue. Um, but the 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 lack of performance from uh, Williams and Morris really shot him in the foot. That being said, I did call it about Williams going up against that defense. The real question that I have for you, though, is I, I think both of those are solid coach speak um, phrases, uh, but they're not the one that I think of when I think of John's current team. Um, my real question is, uh, Avery, is it more of a, a bout of Dennis Green? They are who we thought they were, um, because you definitely made a, a point to say about John's team, um, where you thought he would be, and uh, I don't think he disappointed you this week with a whole batch of they one, are who two, we five. They were. Yep. I, that's, I, that's you, what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, that's why I just play what Dennis Green had to say. I mean, he would be, you know, proud of this in his grave right here. I, I, John, I'm sorry. You saw what I said, but 
<laughs> there's work to be done. There really is work to be done. I said there was week one, week two uh, tryout for Williams, and uh, week one that was uh, you know a, a fail. Uh, it didn't work. You know, he had Alfred Morris in there, and he had a chance a couple times for a touchdown, and one wasn't a fumble. The other one was a fumble, and it was all near the goal line. It really stunk. I mean, I'm sure it bothered you more than it bothered me, but as a Redskins fan, I was like, oh, my God, I feel so bad for the guy. (laughs) Well, I mean, let's not completely rain on his parade here. I mean, if you look at his team, he does have – uh, Devontae Booker, who was getting a lot of play. Ware, who's getting a lot of play. John Brown cashed in on all that preseason. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you. You just said Devontae Booker had a lot of play. Dude, you can take Devontae Booker and you can shove him where the sh- sun doesn't shine. That guy is done, <laughs> done, done. Now that, now, now that you have two rookies coming in there, Devontae Booker is going to be on every bench and every waiver wire from here to kingdom come. But go ahead, my friend. Keep going. Yeah, Booker, yeah. Now, Booker, Booker's not the one that maybe I would have mentioned. Um, what I will say is you, you were in the correct spot with John Brown. Yes. Um, and, I mean, again, look, we just went through this whole batch of who's going to get the catches in, uh, in New England. Would it surprise anybody if next week Dorsett had no points and Cordell Patterson had 12? I don't no. know that anybody would really be surprised. No, 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 no. I, I wouldn't be surprised either. But uh, yeah, I'm so done with Booker. I, 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 it bothers me that he's on his roster. That, that's where I feel. That's strange. <laughs> the, that's strange. I, I do want to flip it over to the other team though. Um, cause it is Paul for real? And I do want to give uh, you guys a chance to explain yourselves. Um, Deshaun Jackson, 23 points. Um, please thoughts. Yeah. Well, I will say that I did say that Paul was going to have the better record in of the three. No, please stop, 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 stop. That and you're, you're being a Donald Trump right now. You're, you're totally changing the whole thing. Can you please answer the question when it comes to Deshaun Jackson? Okay. I will you, yes. Question. I'm uh, giving you just, context. I'm giving no, context. I don't need context. You actually need to answer that question because I was dead wrong. I'm going to say it right now. I am an honest person. I was dead wrong. I didn't uh-huh. know how to read the whole situation. Jameis Winston has the crabs in his pants, the whole thing. <laughs> it, it doesn't work. And you got Fitzmagic comes in there and says, oh yeah, there's a guy. I can throw it to that gets downfield and past the defenders and it happened over and over again I'm just I just feel bad that he got a concussion it it stinks but I can't defend myself so please don't talk about how you thought Paul would be better that 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 doesn't work to me well, I, I mean, you could say that, but I, if I remember right, you can roll back the tape and you can listen to it. Facts are facts, my friend. I did say Paul was going to be, be of the best of the three, and I did say that Breeze was going to come out, and his wide receiver core was good, very good, not one to overlook. Honestly, I did hit miss on Deshaun Jackson year long. Doesn't mean that he's not going to have a week here or there. I just didn't miss on I miss. I did not miss on him for the year. Secondly, the other thing. Ah, forget it. Go ahead, Mike. Well, the one thing, too, that I'll say specifically around the receivers, I mean, I think that, you know, he's definitely found some some diamonds in the rough in the drafts. I think where he drafted Cobb and that talent, I mean, did we forget Aaron Rodgers, even on one leg, is still, you know, the best quarterback in football and his receivers are golden? I mean, it's, you know, I don't care who they throw out there. I mean, he's he's got the guy that he trusts. Um, unfortunately he lost Hill to the IR. 
so I don't know what he's going to do in his running back situation, but did he find his running back to the future um, with Lindsay? And is that the guy that he starts going forward at a, at a running back position? That's a good question. I mean, it's a really good question because I wasn't really having him on my radar, but everything I've been hearing Not me is... Either. No, and even in preseason, because we don't like to put a lot of stock in preseason, but apparently he's been part of the game plan week one, week two, week three, week four. He's been part of Denver, and it wasn't fake. And much of preseason is just, let's get somebody out there who's a warm body. You know, I I, I think it's a, a very key product. And if he scouted that out, man, more power to him because, I, I you know, I didn't see it. Yeah, well, I mean, he, honestly... If we look at his roster, maybe he did scout it out. Let's give him a little credit. Because if you look at the way he's got it set up between Grant, between Lindsey, between Montgomery, and Hill before Hill got hurt, honestly, he's looking at all the number twos and potential upside. Remember, we, we've all three said this, that it's not necessarily talent, it's opportunity. And all three, all four, what, one, two, three, four, yeah, four guys were in line for that opportunity. And that's a huge, huge thing. And the other point I was going to make earlier Avery was that uh, if Fitzmagic comes out and he has that uh, great big week in week two, which is kind of unlikely, but if he does, you need the Fitzmagic drop. So, I I mean, I think that's a good point. And I think, you know, look, look, if Paul was able to scout that out in Denver, I wasn't watching a whole lot of Denver preseason games. Um, So finding the undrafted rookie who's going to split almost 50, 50 carries with Royce Freeman. Uh, I mean, I think one had 17, one had 15. So that's great. And which really just goes back to Eric's point in evaluating talent when looking at a roster that, you know, he's got Devonte Booker who had no carries or two carries or four you know, carries. None. But what did you, what did you say? He was four great. Carries. He looks good. He had some production somehow. Well, he had production. I didn't say he had great production. Wait, he, he was breathing oxygen? I mean, breathing oxygen is not production, dude. I, I'm t- sorry. I, I am standing on the hill. Booker should not be on a roster anywhere in the world. He's That's worthless. He, he really is. You know, uh, I'm looking at this. I will say not just on Deshaun Jackson. I mean, I will take egg in my face. Maybe you can hit your total roster on Russell Wilson. He's there. And you know what? He didn't score a touchdown, but... I'm saying, just like I said before, that Miller was a steal of the draft. This guy's going to produce, and he already started to. You know, I, I like uh, I like John's situation. I mean, he only scored 43, but I don't think he's bad off as I said he was going to be. Even though this shows me to say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I thought he's going to stink. I actually saw some more pieces in his roster than I anticipated. No, I agree with you, and I, I think that when you look at when you look at the production, it's really easily could have been a week where where his team put up twenty points, and for him to still end up with forty three, which is you know, I mean, it, it's it's the low it's the low score this week, but there's other teams that are close to that. Um, I mean, it means that he could have a bad week and still eke out a win. You know, um, on the on the flip side, I mean, is is green light for Breezes going to be a team that puts up a hundred points every week? Um, I would look at their running back situation, especially after Derrick Henry look, does not look like, you know, the bell cow there in Tennessee and say, you know, maybe he's got a giant hole. He has to figure out how to fill. But I mean, maybe Lindsay fills that. I, I have to say, I, I think Paul's team is, is better than I thought it was coming into the uh, coming into the season. But I'm absolutely ready to overreact to any other team. 
Yeah, yeah, that's definitely where I sit as well. The only thing that I would say about uh, John's team uh, to basically put a nice little bow tie on it is that with a little bit of tweaking, I mean, he could have had another 15 points. He has another 15 points and he's competitive in the league uh, easily. Um, Good enough to be a 500? Maybe not, but uh, we are extrapolating week one performances, as we know. Well, it's overreaction theater because, you know, week one means everything for the rest of the year. Um, Exactly. (laughs) Moving right along, we had Miller Hyde Life against the Curb Stompers. Um, We're down into the bottom division. We had the Curb Stompers. They actually were getting nine points. But in the end, they won 78-67. You know, under a lot of cajoling on our last podcast, Logan Logan delivered a strong statement performance and with solid sc- scoring across the roster, you know, and despite the loss, George didn't seem out of it either. So I feel like, yeah, I might be wrong about both these guys. They might have a, a, a solid roster. You know, I, I looked at, you know, curb stompers with the win. Cousins, White, Rudolph, they all had good days. And, but on top of them, you had Mixon and Stills. They were stars. Uh, it, it was very impressive. Yeah, I mean, if and especially for for Logan's team, I mean, look, he he did that with getting um, while losing Baldwin for the season, most likely, and so that's that's a zero. You had Chris Hogan, who is I think the receiver we expected to get catches in New England, also come up with a zero. So I mean, he definitely had some really poor performances. But, you know, um, he had other guys that absolutely outperformed, you know, expectations. It does look like Stills is going to be that Jarvis Landry receiver down in Miami. Um, So, I mean, I think that there's definitely some points to be had there. And uh, I think these two teams are just really competitive. I mean, you've got, you know, from... From watching during the the day, I mean, and you try to you try to track the the ups and downs of the game flow and figure out you know where the points really were coming from. These two were generally pretty close. I mean, I think it was Logan's game to lose from the beginning, but uh, they never really strayed too far from each other until kind of till the end. Yeah, I got to say that uh, you guys are heaping all this praise on uh, Logan and the curb stoppers, but honestly. You're looking at two big zeros, and it's going to be continuing to have two to three big zeros in his lineup every single week. You know, you can heap all this praise on Mixon, but Stills is not putting up 19 points every single week. Baldwin is out. He's done. He's done for the year, basically. Hogan, again, it's the New England Patriots offense. James White got the 10 points this week. It might be Hogan next week. It still doesn't cover up the fact that there's still going to be a zero in his lineup. And just overall, that's the way it's going to roll every single week. I talked about the point early on with with the with the averages being and projections being the average and about 10 to 12 points plus or minus is pretty good and pretty accurate. He's 20 points over. He's an outlier. He might be an outlier, but I don't think you're going to get all these zeros week in, week out. I actually do think Chris Hogan, maybe once every three, two out of three, he's going to throw up very decent points. Baldwin, I don't think he's done for the season. He could be out for, you know, four to six weeks. But look on his bench. Until the guy gets injured or overworked, Chris Thompson, in our league especially, this guy is going to perform. I think that he has some real gold down there. Jared Cook, you know, 
a lot of people are going to be picking him up in redraft leagues right now off the waiver wire, but he has other pieces off the roster. So I'm not ready to sort of attack him. Well, I mean, Cook's a good one to, to look at just because I think that, um, you know, from a game planning perspective against the right defenses, Cook's a start and you should start him. But that being said, you need to look at the flip side of the Raiders and say, when they have a poor matchup from a tight end versus linebacker perspective, Cook's probably not going to get any targets. I mean, because we saw that from Nelson and Cooper, who are two really good wide receivers, and they didn't get the targets this week. Right. And, and so that's my point. You say that he's not going to have two to three zeros in his lineup every single week, but we're already talking about five guys that he's going to have to do a coin flip on to figure out who he's going to play. And if he plays them, is he going to actually get the points out of them? So, the, you know, it's a, it's a good question as a, across the board with, with his team. And the one thing I'll say is he does have, you know, I mean, look, he's, he has a really good quarterback core between Cousins and Wentz when Wentz is back. He's got really good pieces. He does have guys that'll be, that, you know, that can put up, put up a ton of points on a weekly basis. You're absolutely right that he has some holes he has to fill. And I mean, but looking at his roster up and down, you know, he's got some young talent that didn't really sneak onto the practice squad with Penny, you know, that, so he's got, you know, a couple guys that, that it's a question mark of, should he move those guys and try to, is this his year to push his chips to the beginning of the middle of the table? Is he in the low division and can he make a move because of that? And I mean, if he, if he finds a receiver or two, all of a sudden, you know, I think that the outlook for his team is, is really, really high. Yeah. I mean, I see that, but I actually see the team that needs to make more moves if they want to go somewhere would be his opposition with Miller Highlife. You know, uh, I don't think it's a coin flip for everybody, Eric. If it were me, maybe I'm biased because I'm the Redskins fan amongst our group, but I think really Chris Thompson, as long as he's healthy, has to be started. He has to be. I mean, especially with four running back slots. The, no, the I, guy, I, I agree with you on Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson's a very nice piece, but I'm talking about Amendola, Riddick, Penny, C.J. No, Anderson, it, uh, Hogan, be tough. you know, Baldwin. I mean, it's going to be ahead. tough. I, I mean, but, but let's let, let's move on to his opposition. Let, yeah, let, let's, yeah. let's move over there. Yeah, you know, you that know. was that was what I was going to say really quick. I mean, I think that, and I, I'll let you run through the, the points that I think are you probably have more interest. But I, I just I look at the at Miller High Life, and I I go, man, they they put up almost seventy with having a one from Wasserberger, a three from Royce Freeman. I mean, and Fitzgerald's having not a ton of points in a really terrible offense in Arizona that's going to get better um, as those guys sync up. I mean, I think you know Baltimore's offense looks a lot better than maybe we thought it did. So Crabtree might get a lot more points. I mean, I, I think he's got a scary roster. No, I actually think this game was. Miller Highlights to win. If you simulated this out, I think Miller Highlights wins 80% of the time because you had Roethlisberger. He's the reason they lost. I mean, you had five turnovers. That's minus 10 and only one touchdown. If Roethlisberger has a normal game, they win. Guaranteed. Their backfield, I thought was strong. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't have uh, the performance out of Freeman, but they had decent uh, performance out of the receiving core. I think that they're they're a strong team, and I actually peeked ahead for the next week, and they're a favorite over a team that I know. <laughs> you should know them very well. I would say that honestly, 
the sneaky move was picking up Deion Lewis because he's looking like he's going to take over and actually be the lead back. He's a starting running back. He's a starting running back. You know, you can take Henry and put him on the back burner. He, just like you said, I will give you full credit, my friend. He is only for game script. He's in that place where we want to milk the clock and some, they're up and ahead. And especially if Mariota is injured, uh, you're not going to see any of him. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't trust that offense. And two other offenses, I don't trust. And I, I think I said this on on when we did the uh, the outlook was I didn't look, trust Arizona. I didn't trust Dallas. And I mean, even with those teams putting up six points and eight points respectively, both his running backs still hit over ten. And mm-hmm. I, I think that you know, I, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, I think generally speaking, in this league, the goal is you get ten points from your guy. He had a good week. And I mean, because generally speaking, when you look at the scores, if you hit 90, you probably won, you know? So, I mean, from that perspective, if he's going to get 11 points in a, in games where they don't even have nine points period across the board as a team, I mean, he, he definitely has a scary offense. No, I agree. I, I actually think the losing team is the team that I would predict to have more wins this year. Moving on to the last game of the week. It's against the two teams that were at the bottom of the barrel. And the funny thing enough, these two teams were, I guess, the team that scored number one and the team that scored number four in total points this week. So I'm going to have to bow out because, you know, it's my team and I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm just uh, giving myself accolades. So I'm going to throw it over to, you know, my two partners here. I mean, you put up 133 points, so I don't know that there's much more than we can say than that. Um... Were you ready to punt on the season when Aaron Rodgers was carted off? Yeah, I, I actually was talking to you guys. So you don't need to ask it because I, I was sending tweets. Oh, I, just, I, I was taking screenshots of things that didn't really exist. The doom <laughs> and gloom. I, Look, I said, how I, could this I happen? Can't, I can't know for sure that everybody listened to the last podcast. I need to make sure that we reiterate again that Aaron Rodgers is one knee injury away from Avery punting on the season at any point in time. Um, you're not probably going to get thirty. Yeah, you're not going to get thirty-three points from Camara every week. Um, you know, but I, that said, I you know, I mean, you don't really have a lot of holes. Um, I mean, the injury for Delaney Walker definitely looked painful. Um, so we'll see what you what you come up with for next week. If the Jets are real, Crowell's a guy you can slide right into that spot. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's just bears watching. Depending on, I mean, you're going to go as far as Rogers takes you um, with and the rest of the crew. I mean, luckily you have Trubisky who who's good from uh for as a backup perspective and definitely could put up points in any individual matchup. I mean, honestly, uh, yeah, Delaney Walker hurts a little bit, but uh, you know, I think we saw with what Crowell did. He is the lead back. Crowell wasn't bad with the yeah. Browns. Crowell was just not used. Uh, you know, as we saw, what was it, two years ago now? Crowell had that 1,200-yard season. No, I, I really like Crowell. I really I, like I've, – I've seen him play, you know, game in and game out, and I, I thought that was a really good pickup for you, especially as late as you got him. Um, you know, it, it's one that I, I think I mentioned in the, the Outlook show. If I thought it was a really good grab then. Yeah. I still do. Um, it looks even better now that the Jets look like they're real and might have a quarterback. Yeah, no, I was, I was, mis- I misspoke. I, it was 1,200 all-purpose yards in 2016. He had 40 receptions mm-hmm. for a guy that 
quote unquote can't catch. That's really good production uh, for a guy that's going to, you can just slide in uh, if you just not feeling Burkhead uh, for whatever reason, but yeah, losing Delaney Walker, pfft, who cares? He can slide in Crowell and, and pick up whatever scrub happens to, you know, start to light it up on the, uh, on the uh, waiver wire and not even care. Honestly. It's funny that you say he can do that and he can't. I've already had him in the starting lineup. That was the move to make. Uh, I'm going with it. But, you know, enough about me and the second highest score ever scored in our league. Uh, oh, I, I, I actually want to focus on the other team because this oh, <laughs> this really... I can't take it. This, <laughs> this really stinks because I've been on the other side and this what causes me to sell my entire team. You score 80 and you look at the rest of the league, you got eight other teams that were underneath you. Mm-hmm. And I, if I'm in her shoes, I said... This is what I'm looking for. Dude, wait, before we cut over to Kelly, that is exactly what went through what I went through two years ago now when I had to, I went 0 and 8 and I scored a hundred and some points twice and still lost those games. You, it's, that's just brutal. And that's why I made those comments. What's your pain tolerance? No, the pain tolerance thing was right. It made me laugh a lot, but I think she might have the most dynamic player of the entire league on her roster. I might give her a run for the money with Kamara, but... Tyreek Hill, I mean, we talked about this and it hit the, uh, you know, the floor of the editing room and we didn't even bring it up. I still want to bang it home with the league. He should have had another touchdown. That's how our rules should be because that was all him. And he still scored 27, even though he was, you know, robbed of another touchdown. Yeah. And, and on top of that, I mean, you know, look, I think that we, there's a whole lot of Monday morning quarterbacking um, going on on the draft where they're looking at the, the, the Giants saying, maybe you should have made the pick the Jets made. Um, but Barkley's for real and looks really good. And I mean, that's a player that can pay dividends on Gettleman's football Giants with no real other offense outside of Odell, who they're, they're trying to throw the ball up to, but I don't trust Eli there. I mean, I really do think that, that Barkley is their whole offense. And you're going to have a whole lot of coaches that, that still respect Eli probably more than they should and respect Odell more than they should. And he's not going to face eight men in the box every, you know, in every single play. Um, and I, that, that two headed monster between Howard and Barkley, um, I think I, I thought they'd be decent. I didn't think they'd be as good as they looked in week one. No, they definitely look strong. Uh, Barkley, look, it's all about touchdowns and Barkley got the touchdown. Otherwise he has a men's a men's a game, you know? Um, the, I think that just as a side note, I think that the talk about whether or not the Giants should have taken uh, Darnold or, over Barkley is a legitimate one, but one that's going to bear out over 10 years. Quarterbacks just have a longer shelf life. And if a Agreed. quarterback is good and is, is a strong starter in the least, look, if a quarterback is a top 10 quarterback in this league, he's going to be a top 10 quarterback for 10 to 12 years. A running back lasts five. So I think that settles that argument. But the, the only thing I wanted to say about the, what we were talking about before in the previous game was – she has the ability to take a guy like uh, Godwin off of her bench, Tyrell Williams off of her bench and slide him in. Kelvin Benjamin is no big deal to be able to recover and replace. And, and Greg Olson being gone basically for the year uh, is nothing that difficult mm-hmm. to be able to replace as well. Uh, so she's definitely in a position where she can, I mean, she scored 80 points. Yes. A massive amount from Tyree kill. Yes. She's over her projection beyond where she should be. But being, she has a lot of points on her bench that would make up that difference. No, it plugs in so the gaps. Question, 
I was going to say question for the for the uh, resident Falcons fan. Um, do you start golf over Ryan until the Falcons come up with a new offensive Man, coordinator? You took my question away. I, that was one of my takeaways because I was saying here's some people people we can plug in, but at the same thing, what would be bothering me is is Ryan a starter or shall we go with the offensive genius savant who is in the ear of golf? Uh, I, I, if you want to take the next four games, here's golf's next four games, Arizona chargers, Minnesota, which will be tough. And then Seattle, which is not okay. But then if you really want to look at it and you want to look at Ryan's next four games, okay, you got Carolina, New Orleans, Cincinnati, which we saw has a pretty good defense. And then if you want to go one extra, then at Pittsburgh, yeah, no. No, I wouldn't want any piece so, of Ryan. So the real question, though, about Ryan, though, is at any point during those five games, is he going to have a new offensive coordinator? Because until he does, I don't know that he's startable. I agree. Sarkeesian no, is I think, a sack I think, of uh, Honestly, I, I think it's going to be a situation like you had last year with Cincinnati uh, where Bill Lazor took over, I think it was week three or week four, um, where and, and the instantly – instantly that Cincinnati office was approved but didn't take that next step and unfortunately that's going to be the same scenario in Atlanta and as an aside on that I mean obviously we didn't talk about him because he didn't you know have a starting role and I think we only ran into one cowboy but is it the same situation with the cowboys I mean they they're saying the same thing uh, you know Garrett's talking a big game about uh you know we have the full Scott has the full support my offense coordinator but the question is is that it's just this exact same situation. It's that exact same offense. Do you trust a Cowboys player until they make a change there? I think it's a little bit different. Uh, I, I think they're both deficient in terms of offensive coordinators, but I think you have a much bigger problem with the offensive line in Dallas. If they have a strong offensive line, that's where everything comes from because then you have Zeke doing what he can do. You have time to pass and so forth, but everything goes through the running game. Whereas you have way more pieces in Atlanta that uh, are offensive gems and they're being minimized. I mean, the, the sum of the parts is ridiculously low compared to if you just put them on paper. It's horrible in Atlanta. And he had the offseason. He had his grace period. But to start and end game one, just like the entire last season was, this guy it has to be on the shortest leash of anybody in the entire league. That's, that's funny. I wanted Avery to have that response because that's basically what I would have said, but it probably would have been a diminished answer because of the fact that I'm a Falcons fan. So it wouldn't have carried the same kind of uh, a weight as if, as if someone that's a fan of another team saying that. So that, that, that means a lot coming from a guy outside of the circle. But my question for Avery would be, you know, you I make love you, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not get too touchy feely. All right. So my big question for you is that, that you made the comment about the offensive line being not very good for the Cowboys yet. That seems to fly in the face of the preconceived notion that that Dallas has this incredible offensive line that is just so good. But aren't so, they missing three people at full strength? Uh, two that I know of off the top of my head. Is there a third missing? Now, you have another one that's dealing with injuries. So what I'm trying to say is you have less than half of the, the, the line playing at full strength. So, I, you know, it's a big difference between all five of them in which they were the dominant force. Right now, they're a shell of themselves. Right. No, I don't, don't make a mistake. I agree with you. I just think it's quite interesting, and I just wanted to hear your explanation a little bit more. 
so to 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 bring it back to the league, um, because I, <laughs> at this point, let's 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 go back that direction. I think yeah. we've we've hit on all the teams. We hit on all the games. It's week one. Where should we overreact? Who should sell? Who's out completely? Who's wanted running away with the league right now? I don't know. We got a lot of crickets right here. I mean, I, I, I'll talk about my own team in this sense. I was telling Eric before we started this entire uh, recording is I actually need to throw this game away. When it's this far apart, I can't take this as it means anything. It, it doesn't mean anything at all. And so I'm not running away with the league. I just know that, hey, there's some potential there. I'm- I mean, I think that's I think that's the the lesson for week one as a whole, right? Is usually thrown away unless you've seen your roster and know that you have problems, you have holes, like we talked about with Kirby, that you have to make you have to make a move. And if you have a player that that you need to make a move on now, um, that's the only real piece to do. You shouldn't panic and, and and drop everybody unless you're not my team and you want to drop players that I can get when I have a high waiver priority. Then go right ahead, drop anybody you need to. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I would say that actually don't, don't forget that, uh, now's the time to sell high if we're going to go that route. But, uh, I think that, uh, Avery hit on it the, uh, the most accurate when he said the deviation is probably for me, that's the, that's the biggest key indicator for the league as far as success for these teams. Um, I think that, um, even though the mud monkeys have probably the, the, two best wide receivers in the league in a PPR format, uh, they're going to flounder. I think that uh, your your Emperor John is not going to be as bad as he is in this performance. Um, and I, I again, unless Kirby figures out something, he's going he's gonna to have a big fall from that false sense of hope he has going. So Avery, if you're not if you're not counting anything that happened this week, um, what's your asking price for Camara? Like six round pick next year, or what are you what are you looking for? I was actually going to interject a joke there. I said, yeah, you know, sell high. You know, should I sell Camara? I mean, what is he worth in this day's draft? Uh, if we redrafted today, where does he go? Because I've been listening to a lot of uh, pundits come out and you know saying, well, maybe I under you know undervalued him at at pick six and pick seven. But the thing was is. The majority of what he got was in the receiving game. He really wasn't running a lot, and that was a lot of game script. So personally, as the owner, I want to see what happens when they actually have a more balanced game coming out. What happened with that boat race was, uh, you know, it was phenomenal for him, but that was just Breeze trying to, you know, make hay. So I don't know. For one last little thing in there, you are completely right. 12 targets and nine receptions on those 12 targets, but only eight rushing attempts. I mean, that's, I know, game flow, but still that's probably more accurate to their desire to usage uh, of him uh, as a whole when you say what teams need to make moves i think you're right it was kind of funny because curb stompers they won but they need they need to make moves i think emperor john needs to evaluate because you can work the waiver wire and he works it harder than anybody just like eric always says but sometimes the waiver wire is not enough. So maybe he needs to package things together. Um, and I also think, yeah, Mud Bunkies needs to figure something out because what they have in the backfield it might not necessarily be the answer. So maybe they need to regroup and uh, try a different attack for this year or they look at next year. And that would be very, that would be phenomenal to me if you saw Mud Monkeys regroup for the next year. Yeah, I mean, f- so food for thought. Um, so I, I mentioned I, I 
I downloaded the, the Fantasy Pros uh, for, and dumped our league into it for power rankings purposes. And I, I think they kind of, you know, correspond with, with our thoughts. Emperor John it does bring up the bottom. Um, Fantasy Pros does not believe in green light for breezes. They're in 11th. Uh, but the top four, um, which I think is interesting now that I'm looking at it based on the conversations we had, it does have, you know, um, the Shuttlecocks at one, Miller Hyde Life at number two, Spencer Strasmore's clients at three, and I've got the nuts at number four. And I think that those are four teams that we hit on that just look like they, they look like dominant offenses um, from a fantasy perspective. That's interesting. I would really like to know that what they're doing in terms of uh, calculation. I mean, how does that come about? Because it's it's interesting the way they put that together. You know, I'm actually quite worried. I, I, I talked about it before when I said about that team that has to face Miller Hydelife. Well, Miller Hydelife is favored against me, and I, I, I like my, my team, but I looked at their roster and I said, hmm, they got something going there. So it, it, sh- it should be interesting coming up there. You know, going forward, as to tell the rest of the league, we're going to look at a second podcast in the week. You know, it's it's schedule dependent, but we would like to touch on the power rankings. Week one power rankings after it's over is kind of, you know, it, it, it's a hot mess. But we'll try to look at that as, as the season goes on. But then we'll also look into the previews. We're not going to go out down to, you know, line by line, matchup to matchup, player to player. But it would be nice to sort of highlight on game of the week. Uh, sort of the game that nobody cares about and, you know, some things in between. So that's what we're looking at going forward. What do you guys think? What what else do you think would be interesting for the league? I think it would be good. Uh, We could even do a uh, a game bet of the week. Uh, We could also have a um, definite uh, back and forth of calling the games and see who has the better record in the end. Yeah, I would like that. If we pick all the games ourselves, we can do a, a, a contest amongst us all and who we pick to win. You know, that, that, that would be worthwhile. At the same time, I still, I, I've been getting little side messages here and there, and we've had some posts and so forth. But if everybody listening, please respond on the message board. That would be really good. If you have something that, you know, you want to tell me how much of an idiot I am more than I already know, please, let's do it. Yeah, and if you want to hear something specific, say something. I mean, look, if you want us to dive into, hey, I'm curious about this rule, why do we have this? Or, you know, can we make a change to it? I mean, obviously we can do analysis on teams, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's anything you guys want to talk about for the league. I mean, that's, that's kind of what this is here for. If somebody wants to jump on, let us know. Um, you know, we'll, we'll take a, a side analysis for the week. Yeah, we're definitely going to be reaching out to all of you guys in the league at some point to try and get you guys on. Maybe pick your brain a little bit, have a nice little, uh, you know, back and forth, that sort of thing. And as we do that, we're partially doing this because we want to have more interaction in the league as a whole. So make sure you do get those messages out. Make sure you do post on the boards there. Uh, tell us that we're all crap and we're full of, you know, hot air and, and uh, you know, that Mike needs to let up on the mud monkeys. Yeah. And, you know, our, our overriding point is, please, you know, just respond. If, if, if Eric sends you his 18th trade offer, you still need to respond to that. It doesn't matter how many it is. You got to respond. I cut off at 15. No, but you're, you're right. I mean, just, just an email. Um, you know, like I, I know that I appreciate the owners that kick back an email and say, Hey man, not interested in that player or mm-hmm. Hey, not going to make a move right now. Uh, but at least it's an acknowledgement that it, that you saw it and did something as opposed to, um, and, you know, I mean, I, I know that there's been offers that have sat out there for weeks and I'm just like, yeah, do I read withdraw it at this point? I can't get a response. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, you close the loop. Else, 
Yeah, just closing the loop. But uh, everything being said, I like what you said uh, about getting everybody involved. One of the ideas I've been kicking around is get to know an owner. And I, I plan on reaching out to all the other nine owners. Well, no, 10, because we still have to split the mud monkeys. But reach out to everybody and sort of figure out where they've come from, how they came into this league, what their background is, what team they follow, all that kind of stuff, and how much they really hate all three of us. That wouldn't be too hard. I imagine it's on a scale of uh, nine or ten. <laughs> well, we're going to wrap all this up. Uh, we thank you for listening to our very first recap of week one of the fifth season of the OFDL. We'll be back at the end of this week, and we'll try our first preview as we get into week two. And for Eric and Mike Such as I learned how to pronounce his name. Uh, this has been podcast number four. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.